This is What's with Washington, where you ask the questions about our region, about the place we live, about your neighborhood, Anacostia, Prince George's County, Pentagon City, Woodley Park, Columbia Heights, and WAMU Answers. I'm a second generation Washingtonian. This is What's with Washington. I'm Michaela LaFrac. This is the first episode of our new season, and we are talking go-go. Several people have written in to ask about DC's homegrown music genre, including John Quillen Hill, who, full disclosure, works with us here at WAMU. I'm a producer for 1A, and I'm asking about go-go. Go-go is a huge part of DC's history and culture. Where did it originate? What's its history? And how did it become D.C.'s very distinct genre? Go-Go is near and dear to a lot of people here in D.C., but we were curious why it's so important to Jonklin. I moved here back in 09 to go to Howard. And one of the things that I remember distinctly is the Metro PCS store near the Shaw Howard Metro because it would blast Go-Go music. And that's how I knew that I had made it to the right neighborhood. It kind of helped me understand, uh, get my bearings and kind of know that I was home in D.C. And I want to know how that became D.C.'s distinct sound. So we've got a lot of ground to cover, and we're going to kick things off with Jonathan Wilson. He's from the area, and he's usually stuck in the studio hosting All Things Considered here at WAMU. But we broke him free and sent him loose on the streets to go learn about Go-Go. Hey, Jonathan. Hey there. Good to be here. So to start, give me the brief history of Go-Go. What is this genre, and where did it come from? Okay, so if you've heard anything about Go-Go, you probably know the name Chuck Brown. It really became big with Chuck Brown. The first song he turned into Go-Go was Mr. Magic by Grover Washington. His voice. I was gonna say, his talking voice. I think to really understand Go-Go, you've got to meet somebody like Nico Hobson. He's the founder of Go-Go Radio Live, which is an internet radio station dedicated to what else? Go-Go. They've got a handful of DJs and talkers, and they broadcast live Go-Go shows. Go-Go music is a genre of music that's derived solely in uh, the streets of Washington, D.C. And reason why I, I want to use... Uh, streets because even though uh, Chuck Brown has been known as the father, uh, the godfather of Go-Go, it's the people that actually makes the music. Unlike any other genre of music, without the people, there is no, there is no Go-Go. So we should mention that Go-Go bands can be huge, a lot of people. But if you're really going to simplify it and break it down, it starts with the percussion. That's the congas, the cowbells, other types of drums. Then you have the lead talker. This is the person kind of running the show, kind of like the MC that often raps or sings a little bit, but really the person who interacts the most with the crowd. And then the last instrument, and this maybe is the magic that Nico and other people are getting at, the last instrument is the crowd itself. You have to have the interaction. That's actually the foundation of the music, the call and response, because there's no need to call it go-go, which is the music is going on and on and on, where typical music where there's a break in between the songs. There's no need to do that if you're not interacting with the people. 
So so how does it work over the radio? We took a peek into DJ Frank. He's one of the DJs at the headquarters of GoGo Radio Live that was broadcasting when we walked in there. Ow! Back trouble. Walking for your ass here. Uh-oh. Only thing I'm going to tell y'all, uh, Coffee and Crank, I think I'm getting ready to make the news and I ain't even did nothing. I ain't committed any crime. So he's talking over the, the music. News. Yes. Stay tuned and hold up. <laughs> I think I'm famous. <laughs> he sounds like he's having an awesome time. He is irrepressible. He has this giant smile. And when he talks about Gogo, his face just lights up. So you can see why he is a great person to kind of lead you through the world of Gogo as a DJ. But yeah, so he is uh, broadcasting his radio show. People are writing into him on social media, and he's responding to them with the same energy that you would hear at an actual go-go show. So it's actually pretty incredible, um, and he really has a talent for it. That's so cool. So he's like recreated that call and response thing using social media and the internet. Exactly. So people are typing in. They're at work, and they're typing in and typing in messages, telling them, oh, it's my son's birthday. Could you shout him out? And DJ Frank gets on the mic. And with the energy that you just heard there, uh, does the magic that a lead talker would do at an actual go-go show. I feel like we need a little bit of that energy on WAMU. I can try to do my <laughs> best DJ Frank impression next time I'm on All Things Considered. I would love that. <laughs> so when is our next big go-go hit coming? It's, it's coming. It's, it's coming. It's coming. It's, it's coming. And <laughs> when, when it finally does drop, it's going to shock the world. When it finally does drop, it's going to shock the world. That's some good suspense. I love <laughs> that. Right. He seems to know something that we don't know. Right? But I will say, Gogo really is changing and evolving. So since the death of Chuck Brown, a lot of people had questions about where the genre you know, was going to go. Um, and one thing that we learned in the story is that Gogo has subgenres, and there are actually three different styles of Gogo that are um, competing with each other right now. Ooh, tell me about them. So the first, and it's probably the one that most people would recognize as classic hardcore go-go, is Crank. You'll hear that heavy percussion, that really familiar beat that you hear on a lot of go-go songs. And that's what Chuck Brown uh, kind of uh, developed in the starting in the late 70s. Yeah, I think the earliest songs by Chuck Brown maybe would fit into the Crank genre. But as it got more popular in the 80s and 90s, um, some of the really popular songs like Da Butt, which is actually the best-selling Go-Go song of all time, or the most popular. It was featured in a Spike Lee movie. It's also the best-named song it in Mikhail Frack's so official ranking of all Dude. songs with names. And then there's Bounce Beat. This is a younger version of Go-Go that has a more driving, consistent beat. And some Go-Go veterans still look down their noses at Bounce Beat. They say it's not Go-Go, but most people say this is just the latest evolution of Go-Go. Okay, so that was New Impressions doing Old Town Road. So we've heard Crank, Bounce Beat, and what's the third one? 
The third is my favorite just because of what it is called. It's called Grown and Sexy. That's the subtitle of your autobiography, too. Thank you for remembering that. Hmm. Yes. No. (laughs) Seriously, it is more melodic. It relies more heavily on instruments other than percussion. And, of course, people say it appeals to an older audience. Okay. Cool. It can be hard to hear the differences between these genres unless you're really a go-go expert. But again, those are the three main kind of subgroups of genre. Now, I will say a lot of go-go is cover songs. We heard uh, Old Town Road, maybe the biggest song in the world right now. And the first hit by Chuck Brown, Mr. Magic, that we talked about earlier, that was an example of him adding a go-go beat to a popular song. And there are other examples. Go-Go Adele. Awesome. I mean, it's a cover of Adele's song Hello by the Backyard Band. Oh, this is great. Yeah. I'm here for this. (laughs) Between us, a million miles. Say hello from the other side. I must have tried a thousand times. But some people think that cover songs like this aren't as legit. These people think that in order for Go-Go to be recognizable outside of D.C. and to really spread, people need to write their own songs. Nico, our Go-Goologist, he's a strong believer in this theory. He thinks younger Go-Go musicians have gotten a little bit lazy. It's been songs that have made a lot of noise but it has been nothing to stand up on its own. Ouch. So Natalie Hopkinson, who's actually written a book on Go-Go, and I should say she is good friends with Nico, and she says they've been arguing about this for 15 years. She really disagrees with his point of view on this. Hmm. Covers are a critical part of the Black musical tradition. Where would jazz be without any covers? You know, like there's two different roles that you play. You have the people who write, maybe write the music, and then you have people who interpret it in the live context make it real for the people who are in the room. And go-go musicians have been doing that. So there's this interesting debate about doing covers versus original songs, but I also really want to know about whether go-go can expand outside of D.C., no matter what kind of songs these bands are producing. But before we can talk about go-go's present and its future, we really need to talk about a controversy in go-go's recent past. Don't mute D.C. You could blindfold someone, turn them around 10 times, throw them in the back of a trunk, and put them on that corner, and people are like, I know exactly where I am. That's coming up after the break. Hi, it's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday, May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianereem.org slash book club. Hey, it's Jonathan Wilson. I'm so excited to kick off the second season of What's With Washington with Michaela and tons of go-go. What's With Washington is powered by listeners just like you. Not only do you provide the questions that we explore on the show, it's your support that makes it possible for us to find the answer. So keep this great Q&A going with your gift today. Click the link in the show notes and... Thanks. 
We're back and we're talking with Rachel Kurzius. She's a senior editor at DCist and she reported on the Don't Mute DC story earlier this spring. And that story starts at a street corner that many people in DC know really well, 7th and Florida Northwest. So at the corner of a pretty epic intersection in DC that's actually called Chuck Brown Way after the godfather of Go-Go, there is a Metro PCS store. It's brightly colored and it is really well known to anyone in the neighborhood because they're always blasting go-go music during business hours. It has been playing go-go for more than 24 years. So loud. It's I've walked so by there loud. a million yeah. times and it's like a constant party, including yeah. at like 9 a.m. Exactly. And the Metro PCS store is where people can buy phones, they can get their phones repaired. But in the back, the owner, Donald Campbell, sells go-go CDs. And he views his role as trying to promote the music and making sure that people have access to the latest CDs. If you ask him for any recommendations, his face lights up. He's delighted to share anything he's got. What's up, sir? How you doing? Long time. Oh, my man. Yes, sir. I had to come out and show you some love. You like, what do you want? What do you want? You know what? Um, you know, for me, it broke up, but i tell you what's hot right now. They broke up? You know, Donnell retiring this year. I know, but they ain't broke up yet. They haven't broke up, but everybody else playing with his other band is clinging, though. Shaw, as a neighborhood, for those who don't know it, is one that has changed pretty dramatically over the past 20 years. Uh, 1990, census data showed that it was about 78% African-American. By 2010, that changed to about 44%. And people view it as one of the most emblematic corridors of gentrification of the changes that are happening in D.C. Right. Because that area also used to have a lot of black-owned businesses, too, yes. right? It wasn't just residents. And, and there were a lot of go-go's in the area for a while. And I should also just clarify that this is a place where there is a lot of nightlife currently. So there's there's this popular store, Metro PCS, playing a bunch of go-go, and then... What happens? What changed? Yeah. So this iconic store, suddenly people are walking by and they're beginning to notice that there's no music. Hmm. So I was able to get in touch with the owner, Donald Campbell, who told me that a slew of resident complaints um, had ultimately gotten their way up to T-Mobile, which owns Metro PCS. And they had been instructed that they had to turn off their music. Oh, wow. Or at least bring their speakers inside so that they couldn't blast. So resident complaints from from what area? What Campbell told me was that the resident complaint had come from someone who lived at the Shea. Now, if Metro PCS is emblematic of an old DC, then the most emblematic of a new DC might be this mixed-use development called the Shea. Okay. So so Campbell's told by like the T-Mobile boss man turn down the music or turn off the music. Turn it off outside um, altogether. Move your speakers inside. Okay. So then how did people react? People were devastated. Immediately that night, there was an emergency protest followed by a much larger protest on U Street the following night. Washingtonians love a protest. They love a protest. Um, it's history. It's a part of history. You have to embrace it or move out. This is the sound of Florida and Georgia Avenue. Like this is this is this is what, what's known here. You walk through here, you you know you're going to hear go-go music, right? It's the sound of the city. This was called Don't Mute DC. It was the idea of trying to connect go-go to other issues that are facing a lot of longtime Washingtonians, like displacement, like rising costs of living. Right. Don't mute DC is this question of who are policymakers listening to and who are they muting in terms of making their decisions. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and to be explicit about it, I think a lot of times it seems like it means don't mute black DC. Like, don't ignore the voices of longtime black residents who have lived here and who are getting pushed out. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. And so this is a story that reached a really satisfying conclusion for a lot of people. It was like, ah, the music was supposed to be off, and then it got turned back on, and that is incredible. Um, But a lot of the deeper underlying issues that motivated people behind the Don't Mute DC movement are still very much present, and resolving them is if at all, is going to be incredibly complicated. I mean, look, I think that the the Metro PCS story is an incredible one, but it's also more symbolic than anything else. All right, so Jonathan, have you been to a go-go before? I have not. I have not either. And it seems like there is only one way to end this episode. Let's do it. How's it going? We took our producer Ponzi with us. It's cold. It is cold. It's fall. A lot of our tape sounds kind of like this. <laughs> When's the last time you were at a club, first of all? <laughs> Eventually, we made our way outside. Yeah. 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 It is really hard to not dance to this. It is very hard. Like, even just standing out here, and I'm very cold, and we're, like, having a conversation about work, I, like, can't The beat is not... infectious. Yeah. We should say it was a Thursday night, so it was a little calmer than maybe, you know? Yeah. It might otherwise be. We were told that Friday and Saturday night would be a lot busier, but it was Mm -hmm. still uh, pretty hopping. I'm mostly just very proud of us for being out on a school (laughs) night past midnight. I I feel like my coolness factor went up like a thousand percent. Also, the fact that you said school night uh, makes me think that you're still pretty young. I am a grown-up, let the record show. Okay, so we were able to grab Michelle Blackwell. She's the lead singer of the What Band. So how long have you guys been together doing this? Okay, so What Band was formed in the year 2000. I wasn't in the band at the time, but the band has been together. It will be 20 years in 2020. It looks really fun to be up there. Can you describe like what it feels like when you're performing? It's like my sanctuary, and I know I'm, I'm speaking for like a lot of people on stage. The crowd is like a really big part of the show. So, you know, we, we develop bonds and relationships with, with the crowd and it, like we're celebrating birthdays, anniversaries, and sometimes even unfortunately if somebody passes, they're coming to, you know, to mourn their family members. So we have like a really, really tight bond. Uh, are you able, as a musician, as go-go musicians, are you guys able to make a living? Absolutely. So when I started in, in the year 2000, I was actually working a nine to five. And at the, in the band I joined, Subtle Thoughts, at the time was like the hottest band in the city at the time. And we were playing like four or five nights a week. And my son was about 10 years old. And after a few months, my mom kind of pulled me to the side because I've been in performing arts my entire life. She knows that this is what I've always loved to do. And um, I was making really good money. And she told me that, you know, you're, you're, you're really never home. You know, you're kind of going to have to make a choice. And she's the one who encouraged me to choose music. And so I've been, I've been full-time, I've been a full-time go-go artist since the year 2000, really. I love that. She went for it. She followed the dream. The other thing about the What Band is that they are one of the, you know, one of those bands that has really kind of broken from the mold and embraced all the different types of go-go. Because as we said, there's that like snobbery going on between Bounce Beat and Crank and Grown and Sexy. Some people disagreeing about what's really go-go. Apparently the What Band plays all of the different genres and does it well. 
Well, we are now two super fans. <laughs> so I'll see you at the club next week, <gasps> yes. or what do you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'll be there. All right. Midnight. <laughs> <laughs> This episode was produced by Ponce Rutch and me, Michaela Lafrac. We talked about a lot of songs in this episode, so for a full list of the music we played, check out the show notes or head over to our webpage, wamu.org slash what's with. While you're there, you can also browse the many questions that we've answered through What's With Washington or submit a question yourself. That's wamu.org slash what's with. What's With Washington wouldn't be possible without the WAMU podcast team, Patrick Fort, Ruth Tam, and Julia Karen. Our theme music is by Ben Privet, who also mixed today's show. WAMU's general manager is JJ Yore. Andy McDaniel oversees all our content. New episodes of What's With Washington drop every Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Thanks for listening. I'm Michaela Lafrac, and see you next time. <laughs>